Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to this week's episode of The Inspired Evolution. In this episode, we interview Josh Grenowitz. Josh is here talking about his work with Story Matters. Stories do matter. And tuning into your own story, the story that you're living out in this narrative arc of the life that you're living. The life that you're living is a story. Believe it or not, you're living out a story. And uh, that's where the word character comes from. What is your character like? The character that we embody as we're living out this life. Um, This is a beautiful episode. Personally, I have been a big fan of storytelling. Uh, A few years ago, I realized, really came home to this conversation that I'm a storyteller, touch wood. And um, yeah, it was just a real conversation about story, the depths of story, what it really means to be living um, your story, how to live your story in the most empowered way possible, and then also how to just be a better storyteller in general. Um, what are some of the tools, habits, hacks, um, ways that you can actually develop better storytelling abilities, um, but then also how to write a better story that for yourself um, in the life that you're living. So a multifaceted episode, really well-rounded. Josh is hilarious and really deep. Um, so this was a really fun episode. I think you're going to love this one. And as always, if you're loving the Inspired Evolution, please do us a solid, subscribe so that we can stay in touch with you. Connection, as you know, is my highest value, so I love to stay in touch. And tuning into this episode, let us know how this episode is informing you in terms of how you're living your life, and how that conversation around story is impacting how you show up in a more empowered way. As always, I'll see you in the episode. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution, a show dedicated to helping you actually live the life that you love. I'm your host, Amrit Sandhu, international speaker, global coach, and loving podcaster. As a gift for tuning into this podcast, I have something really special just for you. 
my premium short course, which can teach you how to meditate in just seven days. You can download it now at www.inspiredevolution.com forward slash learn. That's www.inspiredevolution.com forward slash learn. Learn how to meditate in just seven days. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this powerfully insightful conversation. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of the latest episodes launching every Monday designed to help you live the life you love and keep you inspired to evolve. I think it's all angels just walk by. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. It is, ladies, gentlemen, plants of all kinds, creatures of all sorts. Welcome to this week's episode of the Inspired Evolution. We have with us Josh Grenowitz. Josh, how are you, brother bear? I well, after that, I am awake. <laughs> I am doing well. I, I I love that greeting. I love that greeting. I, I want you. You should teach. You should teach a seven day course on how to. <laughs> you should teach a seven day course on that. You, you got the meditation thing over here. That's to bring the energy down, and then you have over here the. <laughs> Of course, which just brings the energy up. So we, we have a whole elevator thing going. Let's do that. I'll add that to my list of things to do. I've also been um, prompted that apparently I should be doing a, uh, a, a teacher training in laughter yoga as well. <laughs> as well oh, as well. oh my God. Oh, you, you know what's, what, what is wild about that, Amrit? And we were just talking about how like, like serendipitous stuff, right? Yeah. So I just worked on as a, a content consultant mm. on a, a, a mental wellness rally uh-huh, called The uh-huh. Shift, which is uh-huh. focused on uh, teen mental health and trying to destigmatize that. Oh. Uh, the first one was based in LA. It was May 1st because May is, is Mental Health Awareness Month in the States. Mm-hmm. And uh, believe it or not, there was an entire unit on laughter yoga. Ah, yeah, I love it. <laughs> Which was I actually one of the most popular. That's the thing everybody <laughs> keeps mentioning. That's, everybody keeps mentioning it. I actually took a workshop at one point on, um, uh, it was it was actually laughter meditation. Mm-hmm. True story. This is like, like years ago, probably like a decade ago. And you had to like sustain laughter for over five minutes. And <laughs> the thing is, I, and I'm convinced that it's because you get lightheaded. But like you st- <laughs> at first, it just feels ridiculous. You're like, what the hell am I doing? And you're like, ah! and then it just sort of takes over. You get kind of lightheaded and you're like giddy. And the next thing you know, you are laughing. And you're like, why am I laughing? I don't even know why I'm laughing. Why am I laughing? But I think you would be a natural at the laughter yoga. I'll just say that. I've seen you in action. I've heard you in action. You would be a natural. I promise you that. Thank you. So. Yeah, I'll add, the, I'll add the you class and the laughter yoga class to my to-do. Yeah. And um uh, for those tuning in to Josh for the first time, you are in for an absolute treat, guys. He is the host of a beautiful podcast called Story Matters. And uh, please do yourself a favor, go check it out after this episode. We'll put links to the to, in the show notes to go check it out. Um, Josh, where did let's start with the story of Story Matters. Where did this come yeah. into your life, brother bear? How did you like because podcasting? I know from my own experience, like the inspired evolution was burst out of you know, I was in a really tough place and inspired to evolve right. into the next version of myself. So, what informed like you could have created a podcast on anything as you and I know, right. why story and why does it matter? Oh, I love that. I love that. That's a that's a perfect setup. 
Um, so <laughs> the first thing I'll say is that I'm a storyteller like through and through. So that that is me. Um, I am on this earth to share good stories. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, no more, sometimes a little less, but <laughs> we won't get into that. Um, ideally, it's stories with impact. And so officially, like my actual like I actually went through this is similar to your you know, whole journey, I, I went through a whole experience where I, I wanted to find and determine my true north, mm. my purpose. And I landed on after after weeks and weeks of like scrapping the paper and throwing it out and, and starting over that my my true north is to collect, curate, create and share stories for impact. Mm. And so that's it. And so I manifest that in three ways. I'm a writer. Person, mm -hmm. uh, you know that's 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 what I do. I've been yeah. writing since I could hold a pen. Probably mm -hmm. been telling stories longer than that, but I've mm -hmm. definitely been writing since I could hold a pen. Mm -hmm. So I'm a, I'm a writer first. Mm -hmm. I um, I'm a storytelling consultant. So I I work with uh, social change or social impact organizations to help mm -hmm. them shape their narrative. We can get into that if you want. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called Odd Duck um, mm -hmm. because well, you've already met me, so you know why it's called Odd Duck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and the third uh the third way it manifests is through story matters so i'm a, the co-host of story matters um it is a podcast about you know why why story actually does matter um because you know my my day job wasn't enough doing it uh doing it like that i wanted i wanted to actually explore all of the different perspectives of story, um, why it's significant, uh, uh, in parallel to you know what 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 your your theme is with the inspired evolution. I wanted to look at the the evolutionary history of story and why mm. it's you know over forty five thousand years of of human history telling stories, mm. and we can get into that too. But but that's that's the thing. So so story matters just grew out of that and. I, we, I feel like we're in this sort of renaissance of storytelling, mm. um, right? And mm. and you you see it and you hear people fully actively embracing and going into, you know, sharing their story openly, mm. using story more actively to actually be a vehicle for social change. You know, we are in successive crises even before COVID, right? Mm -hmm. you know, even before the pandemic. We're, we're facing down climate change that's coming. We need to start thinking more broadly and thinking more broadly means means it, it, it calls for radical imagination. It calls for creativity and it calls for changing the narrative of mm. everything that brought us to a, that point. So so story ma matters to answer your initial question mm -hmm. was actually it was actually uh, 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 an aim to answer some of those those quadris and figure out, you know, like what the significance is, what's going on here. I love that. You know? Thank you so much for sharing yeah. that, brother. Yeah, yeah. One, one of the things I feel is like some people are innately uh, gifted storytellers and some people can work on it and build their storytelling ability. Um, for me, one of the things is permission. I want to ask, um, dive a little bit deeper into your backstory. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. What was the point that you really realized that you were the storyteller? Like, because I think many yeah. of us are walking around unconsciously gifted at storytelling. Like, I've walked around corporate environments watching people, and some people are like really amazing at going from A to B to C to D and really taking people on the journey. But then some people, obviously, um, not as conscious of the fact that, you know, a story would be a great way to deliver a message. Um, when was it, you know, I, I come back to the point where I was sitting there at some point and I realized that, oh, like 
I love telling stories. And actually now, you know, I coach people and go through like um, periods of life where, you know, we go back every year and look at, you know, highs and wins from every year and look at, you know, what were some of the successes. And it was actually, I was um, in my first year of school, it was like five years old and I got into trouble for coming back late because I would sit underneath there was like these humps that we had at school which were like people used to run up them and run down but you could actually sit underneath them and I would sit underneath and share stories with my friends and we would just sit there and talk about like just random stories and we just come up with creative stories and I I didn't realize until I did this exercise which was only like a few years ago that I looked back and I was like oh, I've been telling stories since whoa and yeah. that really dropped in and I was like, oh, I think I'm a storyteller, Touchwood. And that really gave me a lot of permission to own it. Um, yeah. When was the moment where you dropped into like owning the identity for like, ah, oh, I'm a storyteller. Like I know you've been doing it for forever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where was yeah. that moment? No, I love, I love that question. And uh, I actually have like a personal origin story and a professional origin story. Let's do both. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. Let's start with with personal origin story. I I was raised in a house of artists. Mm -hmm. I was encouraged to pursue art. Uh, My dad is a folklorist. Um, so he would collect, you know, folklore and stories from around the world. Um, he actually did like, you know, storytelling on, on the circuit where he did festivals and cultural festivals and stuff like that. And when, you know, some kids were going like in the, in the States, when some kids were going to like the Grand Canyon or like state parks for, for vacation, we were like hunting Bigfoot. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're like like i grew up going to seances and and collecting folklore and going listening to ghosts talking to bartenders when i'm like you know six years old sitting on a stool as my dad's like interviewing somebody about you know like like you know a local ghost story and stuff mm-hmm. like that so that that was my my personal origin and i just i was a talker i'm still a talker but mm-hmm. I, you should get a podcast bro and, <laughs> <laughs> i hear there's a shortage of them though i think there <laughs> it's just not enough we did, that is the real crisis we need to push out more podcasts uh, <laughs> but that, so so, that, so that's i so the, the personal origin story is it's just it was just part of our our culture even here's here's the thing to your point on right that uh you know some of my family some of the the best storytellers in my family you know outside of like my dad had that identity that he's he's a folklorist and you know so on but like my uncle tommy he he will sit there you know open a few beers and just like you know like rip one yarn after the other Mm -hmm. because he's that sort of like natural you know kind of just Mm. going off the cuff you know (laughs) yeah and so and so just growing up in that environment growing up in that culture it just it just felt like oh this is just a natural thing Mm -hmm. but in answer to kind of what you were initially said that's that's how i discovered it personally and and i was probably telling stories as soon as i could talk Mm. but i i feel like i feel like it's like so many creative things Mm. we like lose I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The, the confidence and the ability to tell stories or to think of it. We, we, we conceptualize it mentally as a story. Our memories are chronicled often in story. That's how we recall them. Mm. You know, you don't recall things in a linear event of like, mm. oh, I was there. You have to like go back, retrieve, pull that memory and, and say, oh, okay, this is what was going on. And I was hanging out with these guys at the time. And then this happened and oh man, this car came out of nowhere mm. and da, 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 da. You know, and so that's, that's how you build things out of that. But you're not telling all of this, you know, um, extraneous information. Mm. You're just telling like the, that experience of that event. Mm. And so that, that I think is where the natural storytelling is. Mm. And then where the, where the coaching part is just kind of reminding people, you know, first to, to be able to be comfortable accessing that, mm. you know, giving people permission that it's like, okay, uh, for the audience and for, for the listener to actually hear some of the details coming forth, mm. um, and, and to have a picture painted for them. Um, and I think, you know, the, the, the business aspect, and this is like a, an ironic thing, is that, you know, people are very natural at telling stories in, in the cubicle or up against the water cooler or whatever. And then they go into a business meeting and they're like, oh, I have to be all facts. I just mm. have to get right to the point. Here's mm-hmm. the data. Boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know what? The same thing that had a whole crowd of your colleagues standing around listening to everything you had to say and hanging on your every word because they wanted to know what happened when that mm-hmm. car came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. That same, those same techniques, that same skill, that same base, that will serve you just as well as you're giving your PowerPoint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And so, so, that, so professionally, <laughs> professionally, this is a professional origin story now. Mm-hmm. Um, I had worked for a public health uh, organization um, that was doing sort of like equity-based violence prevention. Um, I was working for a uh, a former um, infectious disease specialist and medical Mm -hmm. doctor who had worked with the World Health Organization. Mm -hmm. They had worked on TB, he had worked on cholera, he had addressed some of like, you know, these just dramatic epidemics um, throughout Africa and parts of Asia, so on. Mm. And so one of the things, and we're seeing this play out with with COVID is that one of the things people kind of glom onto data as a sort of lifeline. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know about in your circle, but I have a lot of very much so, very colleagues much so. who are like watching, watching the numbers and oh, I, I can't go out of town because I'm seeing the numbers over here and those numbers are really bad. And like, you know, and you know, when, 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 you know, it, it becomes a literal matter of life and death, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so for for this individual, you know, who had lived in this, you know, for, for over a decade and had, had been in the trenches kind of doing this, it was literal life and death. And, you know, he and I spent a little over five years just mm-hmm. debating if we're going to communicate stuff, we have to communicate it with story. And he'd say, well, no, people respond to data. He, he'd actually say, well, you know, uh, folks read the New York Times for the graphs. 
I don't know anybody who reads the New York Times for the graphs. I think he was uh, put me on, but but that was the point. Is like he, you know, he would he he had his he he was focused solely on on the data aspect, and he was like an old school scientist. So he said, you know, anything that wasn't data, hmm. um, that didn't look like you know like data or or anything that wasn't empirical. He filed that under conspiracy or or you know something that was more threatening and you know didn't kind of see where the two could overlap and so knowing that he was a scientist on and knowing you know like i was i was charged with this as like a communicator i'm like i have to persuade him you know this mm. is this is my job i have to persuade him so i you know i became obsessed myself to dive into the science of story so what is the science of story? What do we know? So this is going back a little over a, a, a decade or so. The science of the story wasn't as tight as it is now. Now yeah. it's solid. There's there's neurological research or neuroscience research. There is psychological research. There's but at the time this the you know that groundwork was just being laid, mm-hmm. and you know and so I was I was diving in and I was like looking at um, you know South African soap operas and mm-hmm. binging South African soap operas. That had actually been demonstrated to reduce the prevalence of HIV/AIDS by introducing norm change, right? So you know, actually influencing and changing behaviors through a soap opera. Yo. Um, yes, yes, yes. So then I was looking at uh, at comic books in Kenya, mm-hmm. um, and comic books in Kenya that again had had a demonstrated effectiveness in reducing violence around uh, electoral violence around the elections at the time by conveying through through narrative through story through character through character driven you know uh plots mm-hmm. you know to actually reduce some of the violence and some mm-hmm. of the 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 uh unrest that was bubbling up around this election at the time so you know i i'm i'm diving into one rabbit hole after another pulling together like you know like this this base of 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 what story is actually about i'm looking at neuroscience i'm looking at psychology i'm looking at anthropology i'm looking and i'm like like i said i'm i'm obsessed mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this, this, is, this is becoming a thing so um i, I you know I, I had a little help from uh you know my friend ted he got invited to do a ted talk and uh, you know, Ted is all about stories yeah. so it was kind of like hey you know that story thing you're always telling me about like let's work on that now mm-hmm. but you know, so, so, but I feel like we both sort of um, either eroded one another or <laughs> influenced one another. I'd like to think we influenced each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result, I went and uh, went back to grad school for a degree in creative writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I'm going to, I'm just leaning into this fully, you know. So it took, it took about a decade before I like launched my consultancy and everything. Cool. From that, I still was, I was working in strategic communications. I was doing all sorts of like social change work, Mm -hmm. but that was the impetus. That was the professional impetus of like, oh, there's something here. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I just have to dive as deep as I can on this, Mm. you know, to to go into it. So I want to go super deep on a lot of that, especially the, the, (laughs) there was was some life and death conversation in there as well. Thank you so much for sharing. But I want to sort of, just so there's value for those that are listening in, um, Cause there's always going to be value, but uh, just want to tune in. <laughs> there's something that I've noticed as, you know, like me, like obviously one of the stories that I share about myself, Touchwood, is you know I struggle with depression, and I moved through it um, uh, thanks to meditation and mindfulness, and it completely changed my life. 
And I find myself, you know, conscious that, you know, I don't want to continuously relive my trauma. So I don't need to keep accessing my story again and again and again. And from over time, I've come to realize that actually, though, me giving myself permission to show up vulnerably and acknowledge the kind of the cracks in my, you know, in that space, um, it gives, I feel, it gives, or I've felt the energy of it and touch wood, it feels like it gives other people permission to be okay to to fall apart at times, right? Yeah, um, yeah. What I'm alluding to there is what I really want to uncover for the listener um, and potentially you can guide us on this is what are some of the blocks that you see for people from why are they not willing to share their story? And one of the things mm. that is really present I'm hoping we can discuss is the vulnerability and the strength that it takes to, to share your story and that vulnerability and why we have blocks to sharing our story. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think uh, that's that's fantastic, by the way. <laughs> and I love the way you broke that whole question down. So I, I think it's a both and thing, mm-hmm. right? So the, the first thing that I'll say is I think that um, you know, like there's 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 a, a fear of the vulnerability aspect, and there's also just a, a not knowing what's relevant to share and what is it. Mm. You know, so what, what are the details? Do I need to tell everybody who is, or, or share everybody who is in this room or everybody who's in this experience or everybody who I was connected with at this time when we're sharing our personal stories? So we either kind of err on the side of oversharing and giving, you know, far too much information um, or, you know, the reverse, we kind of, you know, do the old Seinfeld bit of yada, 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 right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we're just gonna, we're gonna gloss over some of these details and da, 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 da. And then this happened, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, well, what was the da da da? You know, like, come on, you know. Um, so I, I think it's a both and. I think the irony um, about the the vulnerability aspect on right is the fact that, you know, honestly, constructing the narrative, your narrative, mm-hmm. yourself, and mm-hmm. taking ownership over that mm-hmm. actually gives you power over it. So it it shields you so that you aren't as vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives you control over, you know, I, I've, I've struggled with, with mental health uh, issues as well, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, ADD specifically and, and uh, generalized or attention deficit disorder and uh, attention deficit with extreme hyperactivity. That's what I was actually mm-hmm. diagnosed with. And I had to ask a psychiatrist, wait a second, is that a new diagnosis? I have mm-hmm. read about that before. He's like, no, it's just applicable to you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, and and, and uh, generalized anxiety disorder. But the flip side of, of both of those is that depression is always a factor as well. Mm. Um, that's something that doesn't, you know, it's in the literature, but it doesn't get talked about uh, a lot. Um, and we we can get there's there's a lot of stuff on uh, connected to like the flow cycle and 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 depression, um, which which is something like you know I think we bro down about mm. <laughs> quite a bit. Um, but but focusing specifically on on you know uh, that aspect of it, I feel like I feel like by by kind of reclaiming your entire story. Mm. and contextualizing it you know so that it's like oh this is this is part of how i've defined my purpose mm-hmm. for myself mm-hmm. is actually liberating that actually gives you power and it it gives you you know it 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 helps to reduce that sort of exposure the, the exposure aspect of vulnerability because now being vulnerable is allowing somebody you know, into your space and to share that experience with you so they can process their own, mm-hmm. right? 
um, which is which is sort of like your superpower. To be honest. Mm-hmm, <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's one of your superpowers is you know just you know and and using story in that way. So that's 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 what I how I would speak to that specifically. Um, but I feel like it's the same as like staring at a blank piece of paper, except, you know, in, in real life, it's like, where do I begin and what do I share? And, you know, how safe am I to actually Mm -hmm. share or express this? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, uh, you know, and, and the very real aspect of like, am I going to re-traumatize myself Mm -hmm. or be traumatized by expressing some of these experiences a lot of the stuff one of the big soapboxes that i'm on right now Mm -hmm. um in talking with you know uh people with lived experience so people who have you know had different either struggled with you know different addictions or you know had struggled with different mental health issues um or you know struggled with homelessness Mm. and so on is to, to essentially provide sort of like a, a, a trauma-informed way mm-hmm. of teasing out that story mm-hmm. so that it doesn't become, you know... Uh, uh, re-traumatizing. Re-traumatizing, exactly. I have mm-hmm. a, a close friend who actually works actively. He's, he's a, a brilliant social worker, mm-hmm. um, and he's, he's had a very, you know, challenging um, upbringing, but he's, he's been profiled. Uh, he's been in documentaries. He's been in, in books and stuff. And so he and I talk about this all the time. And one of the things that he says to me, he's like, you know, the, the crazy part is when the lights go off, like, you, you know, you're, you're fine when you're riding the adrenaline of like, you know, talking into the microphone or being on film or like interviewing with a, a reporter. You're in flow. And he's like, <laughs> you're, you're in flow. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. you're like right there and you're like, oh, and, you know, and, and sometimes you're not even paying attention to the, the details you're sharing because you're just, you want that person to be there with in you. this past with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it is, it is. I mean, the ultimate thing, you know, the, the, the ultimate purpose of story really is to establish like connection and, and that's it. That is it. That is it. And so you want that person there with you. Mm -hmm. And so you're doing that, but you're, you're forgetting that. Oh, when, when, when you're talking to a reporter or you're talking to a, a, a documentary film crew, it's not just that person. It's everybody behind the camera <laughs> and everybody who's going to read it and everybody who's going to, yeah. Don't so think like, about oh, that. <laughs> yeah, don't think right, about right, it. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then he said, you know, and then, you know, when the lights go off, when the, when the camera goes off, when the lights go off and you're like, Whoa, what did I just do? Cause you, you know, you have that unburden and then you kind of like sober up from that unburdening and you're like, whoa, shit, like, what did I just do? I just like, you know, how is this going to be received? How is, how is my family going to, you know, receive this? Like, you know, so I, I do, I think, I think, and I really think I personally, this is, this is the soapbox aspect of it. I think communicators, especially communicators working in the, the nonprofit or the, the NGO space um, or social entrepreneurs, I think they really need to get comfortable with like that trauma informed aspect of, mm-hmm. of doing any kind of interviewing mm-hmm. um, because they need to be uh, a, a journalist, a, a reporter, uh, a documentarian. They need to be cognizant of the potential impact of that this is having on their subject. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I definitely, I think that's, that's very important to me. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that. So yeah. I do want to unpack what's the best way to tell a story, but that's, let's do that later. I want to, <laughs> I want to jump in with you. I want to go, I want to try and take this, um, 
to the depth that's available to me to sort of have this conversation with you. And one of my deepest fascinations is uh, I'm a, I'm, I'm wisdom hungry. It's kind of just a way to put yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I, 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 yeah. Wisdom is just something that consistently just, I crave almost, you know, to a, without sounding like I've, I've got an unhealthy relationship with it. Um, and one of the things that has been present for me for a long time is the indigenous of, especially this country here in, mm. here in Australia, mm. the originals, um, they handed wisdom down from before there was pen and paper and papyrus and, you know, the ability to write a story down. For eons, the way we handed wisdom down was through storytelling, you know, like the stories, like the story of creation, the story of life and death, you know, the story of love, Ram and Sita, you know, in the Indian culture. So, you know, these stories were passed down as a verbal, you know, transmission um, from one generation to the next and wisdom was handed down through this ability of storytelling. Um, and some part of me feels and wonders if you feel the same that potentially the disconnect between us and our stories, you know, as much as writing is incredible because it gives us the opportunity to literally document it and make a time capsule and share it with others, yeah. but the, the uh, art of storytelling potentially, you know, has gone, we've lost some of that because of the need of, of writing things down and not being able to transmit um, transmit the stories by by verbally you know even the the indian story of the mahabharata like we've got a written version of it which we you know which we can and but apparently and it's it's a it's a saga like you know, i think you've got homer's iliad and it's like uh yeah. something like 12 <laughs> yeah. 12 times yeah. bigger than that longer than that oh, um the yeah. mahabharata and the version that we've got written is actually only one eighth because we've lost seven eighths of the story because right. it hasn't been verbally communicated down um I, I just find it amazing just how the human mind is actually wired to soak up story. And in my perspective, it comes from this humble little origin place where it's like, you know, if I was sitting around a fire and there was two fires, it was the Amrit fire and the Josh fire. And Josh came back from beating a lion, like literally going mano a mano yeah. with a lion and just yeah, took yeah, it the yeah. fuck down, you know? And it was like, yeah. whoa. And here's Amrit talking about, oh, today, you know, I caught some fish by the river. Who's fired? Do you want to be sitting around? Do you want to be yeah, sitting around yeah. the fire around the guy <laughs> that literally took down the lion? Because survival right basic survival 101 you want to learn like i've caught fish plenty of times but the one time that someone actually like took down a line i want to at least be able to learn from his story potentially how he did it so yeah, that i can yeah. survive so that i could thrive in such an environment again and just watching like the depth of how much story informs us as human beings um and our story and our narrative i kind of want to if I'm, it's okay to talk a little bit, <laughs> a little bit, just a little bit. Um, there's a couple of fascinations I have in there and, and I'll promise I'll shut up after I share this little, uh, no, please, little monologue. Please. But, um, you know, I interviewed um, Charles Eisenstein on the podcast okay. and he talks about, um, we, we did an episode on myth and it was fascinating because his take on it was that myth is actually it's not people think now in today's day and age that myth is something that's like um, it's sectioned off as um, being uh, fiction, right? It's like mm, it's made up. Mm. A myth is something that's made up. 
And he went on this journey to try and heal that conversation in his essays, and his essays are epic, highly recommended. Um, maybe we'll stick a link to that in the show notes as well. I, I will click that link. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what he talks about is myths are not made up. They're hyper real, like they're yeah, hyper, yeah, hyper real. Yeah. We're living out stories, like we consistently live in a story and the myths of our time, like, and you've got people like Jordan Peterson doing podcasts, talking about Pinocchio, Robin Hood syndrome. I know that when he talked about like, you know, uh, sorry, Peter Pan syndrome, like we, yeah, we don't, yeah, adults yeah. don't want to grow up and it's like, holy shit, like that's a thing. And that's, you know, but what does that mean? You know, and how the, the feminine, like Wendy really wants to support um, Peter Pan and becoming like integrated into the whole, but he just wants to run off with Tinkerbell, you know? And it's like, you see that story. It's like, what's the shiny object that I can run off with rather than anchor down and be integrated by the feminine that's trying to hold me in the world. So all these stories and, you know, informing the way we live our lives. And I'm just going to read from something that I teach in my um, Live Your Purpose course. The first part is actually connecting to your values. And the very next step is actually connecting to your story. And I've taken from Young here and he goes, people live their whole lives unaware that there is an inner myth, an inner story that is awakened within them. Um, The way I share it is Young had to actually get to know his own inner story and his own inner myth for his own sake. But he says not just his own sake, like he had to get familiar with his inner story for the sake of his patience right? For he decided that he could not be of support to them if he wasn't aware of his own inner story. Um, He wouldn't have had the efficacy of the healer, the mentor, the guide that he wanted to be um, to others along the way if he wasn't conscious of his own story. He said that I simply had to know what unconscious or pre-conscious myth was forming within me from the rhizome, the seed from which he sprang. He said this resolve then led him to devote many years of his life to investigating the subjective contents, which are the products of his unconscious processes, and to work out the methods which would help him enable him to thus explore the manifestation of the unconscious in his life. So he looks back on his life and goes, actually, the unconscious operating system of my life is consistently emanating a story that I'm living. And, you know, from there... You know, it's it's fascinating because obviously the pod, uh, they did a podcast with Nassim Hiramain. Again, long story short, talks about um, he talks about how it's not really space time. What Einstein talked about, it's actually more space memory. And mm. actually, as we're moving through space, we're leaving bits of ourselves on the hard drive, if you will, of life, okay. and right, right, we're right. connected through space with this memory uh, identity that we're leaving along. Uh, through time and then you tap into the work of Rupert Sheldrake who talks about morphogenic resonance and you know we're connected to our story and we can access our memories just because on the hard drive that part of us that is currently present here now is the closest energetic match like signature wise Mm. to our memories on the hard drive so we can access them and potentially that's where um, mystics and psychics can connect to your story because they're tuning into you know that space but the, the thing from there is that actually, you know, we're connected to our story and our story is informing our presence. Now, it doesn't, I don't like to say that it defines us, but it does inform us in a really, yeah. really, really big way. And I find it amazing that even as, you know, the meditation I went on from that place was how do I transcend my story, right? As the empowerment coach, the live your purpose coach, you know, how do you transcend your story? And I went, 
shit, even as I'm trying to transcend my motherfucking story, I'm stepping into a story of transcending my story. I can't escape my story, y'all. And so it's a really, really big trip that I went on. And now all of that ram- rambling and ranting to sort of share with you to sort of bring us to a depth where it's like, dude, we're all living a story. And, you know, the experience of life and story and, you know, what is the story of our life um, and how it informs our presence, bringing it all the way home to the fact that we call it our character. The way that we live is our character. And the character is in a story. Yeah. Your thoughts, your sharings on my ramblings. (laughs) Uh, So I I, I don't know if you saw that I am literally bouncing up (laughs) and down as you're talking. So the first thing that I want to say, just to just to put your mind at ease and to make you comfortable, is that it was a really small lion. I mean, I, I did, you know, wrestle it to the ground with my bare hands, but it was a small lion. So I don't want you to feel like intimidated or anything. There's plenty of room at this moment, okay? Thanks, I just, just want to get that out of the way. You know, um, but, oh, man, there is there is so much there in, in, in what you just shared. Um, there is so much there. So I, I don't even, I, there's, there's so many places that I want to go with this, but the first thing that I'll say, you know, the, the first cave uh, paintings were like 45,000 years ago, a little, a little over 45,000 years ago in Sulawesi, uh, uh, Indonesia. Mm-hmm. They know that it was stories, and this is relevant to, you know, the anecdote you, or the, the, the depiction you just shared. They know that it was stories because it was, it was, and, and not, and not like a hunting manual, right? Mm-hmm. Not a how-to on hunting because it depicted a warthog looking at two other animals engaged in conversation. There were also, mm-hmm. you know, several depictions of like animal-headed, you know, people and 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 stuff like that that they knew. I, I like to think that it was a meerkat and a lion and that they were singing Hakuna Matata. Ah! But, <laughs> but I don't know that that's the case and I don't think science will agree with me. But uh, <laughs> the main point is that they, they knew that everything was like in communication. And so they were like, okay, something's going on here that's more than just instructional. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll say, you know, I think you are right on the money about uh, and, and totally on point that like a lot of storytelling, and a lot of like a lot of the conventional applications for it now um, in, in, in the work that I do and in, in, in uh, you know, all sorts of spaces is story as a learning tool, right? Mm-hmm. Like to have to have that, you know, um, structure to have that kind of reference point. But going all the way back to sort of the the Aboriginal traditions and the indigenous traditions, you know, in, in the states and and with like the First Nations, right, is that the the the, the purpose that storytelling often served was a cooperative purpose. Mm. Uh, it was to get everybody communally on the same page. Mm. Now, you know, culture gets larger, cities get larger, you know. Uh, things get larger, civilization gets larger, it's more difficult to govern. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> and so the stories kind of get spread out. The, the, the instinct that you have about introducing, you know, writing mm-hmm. um, and actually written word as opposed to the oral traditions, I think that's also on point because what happens when you start, you know, chronicling everything is you get like novelizations and, and well, novelizations, novels, you get novels and you get all of these first person accounts and, and so on. And all of, all of what that does is reinforce a sort of protagonist model. So you have to follow somebody through, through a narrative from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. So that sort of 
isolates us and breaks us away from that that collective model that we were talking about where we're all in this together and we're all swapping and we're all kind of, you know, getting bits and pieces of that story and, and sharing in that space. At the risk of interrupting and, you, sorry, just a sec, because I, I feel like you've touched on something that's really important there, which is, you know, we don't buy into collective myths anymore. You know, we don't have collective myths, which, you know, tell us, and I think that's where the story, like now, we're tuning further into, and this is what Young was doing, in my humble opinion, and who am I to sort of make what Young was doing? <laughs> Pardon me. Keep me humble. <laughs> Grain of salt. Um, yeah, in there, it's, um, that's what's connecting us to our inner story because it's like now that we don't have this mass buy-in into the collective myth, yeah. time is right for us to connect to our own inner myth and our own inner story, right? And, yeah, well, I, 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 think, I think it was Jung. I'm pretty sure it was Jung who said, um, you know, uh, a myth was like a public dream. Mm. So you had private dreams, which was, you know. Yeah, that sounds very much, work. that sounds very much and like, yeah. myth yeah. was like a public dream. And mm. so we, we were all sharing this in, in, in a space, you know. Oh, and dream was private myth. Myth was public dream. Mm. And, and so we were all sharing in that space. Um, and I think that's that's totally on point. You had like you you know, had these kind of elaborate belief systems that everybody subscribed to, and 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 you could be an engaged participant in that. And you know, it's 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 funny because it, it's one of the things that uh, you know I, I do when I'm doing trainings is I kind of cover like all forty five thousand years of storytelling history in one slide. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and it's sort of like, well, what what do we know? What do we know up to this point? And, and so one of the things that I talk about is how, you know, you've probably heard of the, you know, Joseph Campbell's hero myth, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So like, so that's, that's huge. That's huge in, in, my, in my industry. Everybody loves to talk about the hero myth. Mm -hmm. um, and, 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 and I, I think, so the first thing is that, you know, Joseph Campbell was looking at uh, hero myth more as, as like a, a, an analysis piece. So he was collecting different things and looking at it cross-culturally and saying, oh, there's themes here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't like um, exclusive. So, you know, uh, there are plenty of indigenous stories that don't follow that, uh, that hero, that narrative that, arc, that, hero arc, that narrative arc. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and the other aspect of it is it wasn't meant to be prescriptive. You know, George Lucas came along and he was like, yeah, we're going to take this. We're going to make it a formula. We're going to plug some things in here and everybody's going to fall in love with it. He was right. But then it became like the copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. Mm. It starts getting a little smudge and you flash forward and we have, you know, there isn't like a Hollywood movie that comes out nowadays that doesn't somehow follow the same hero's, hero's myth, right? Mm. And what that does is it reinforces, oh, I'm the protagonist in my story mm. and I'm the driver and, you know, it's, and everybody else is here to serve my narrative, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. my, my, my favorite word, my favorite word right now, hands down, is the concept of sonder. Have you heard this? So no, tell us. Sonder. So it's it's like wonder with an S. Sonder. Mm. Um, and sonder is actually it's actually basically the the belief that you know or the recognition that everybody has an informed, rich inner life that they all have their own experiences. Mm. Every one of us is a protagonist in our own stories mm -hmm. but what happens when we only subscribe to believing that we're the protagonist we see everybody else as like i don't know if you're a gamer at all but like we see everybody else as like you know ancillary uh, 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 yeah exactly <laughs> like they're just there to serve our story to move us forward and it's like no 
no. Like everybody is, is in their own rich inner life, in their own rich inner experience, doing their own rich inner things. And there has to be some recognition of that. The interesting parallel, and I have this, this is something that I've been noodling on. I'm sharing this with you now. Mm. I haven't really, I haven't done any of the writing that I want to do on it. Mm. I haven't really like done any, any application of it, but I really think there's parallels between, are you familiar with like kind of the meta meditation? Yeah, yeah, where you yeah. sort of like broaden out your compassion. So you you start by meditating on Big somebody time. that's very likable. You know, I would meditate on you, mm-hmm. you know, a very likable person, you know, okay. and then like I kind of broaden it out and I think mm-hmm. of somebody who, you know, is is a little bit on my periphery, but I don't necessarily know that well. And okay. And so it's it's just a way to kind of broaden out, you know, your your compassion. To me, I think there is some sort of parallel between meta and meta meditation mm. and sonder. And the recognition that everybody is in a story, living their own story, and trying to collectively bring all of those stories together. Mm. Mm. So that's, yeah, yeah. I love that <laughs> because story ultimately, like you said before, and this is why it sparks so much joy in me, is connection's my highest value. Story sparks oh, connection. Right. And it's talking right. about the interconnect and what you're, Sondra, and like the meta is like, yes, our role in the collective kind of story the collective prayer that we're all weaving in this emanation of life through through all of us yeah that's fascinating yeah. i love that what a beautiful word saunder the definition I, I i need to commit the definition to memory <laughs> um i'll send it to you and we can put the you, you can put the link in the show notes but it's the the definition itself is beautiful it's like it's like just you know it has like all of these experiences sort of woven into the definition. It's fantastic. I'll, I'll send it to you. I'll Thank you so you. much. I really yeah. appreciate that. And yeah. if you send it, I'll, I'll add it to the, again, show notes. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'll yeah. add it awesome. to the show awesome. notes. I'll keep half an hour about show notes. But they're useful. <laughs> it's useful if you want to change yeah. stuff. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll drop it in there. Man, there's, um, yeah, I just, I consistently find it amazing that, you know, we, yeah, just the fact that we're riding this current of our life um, and, you know, the, it's almost as, 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 as it's put, like, you know, there's a seed that has all the information for the tree, you know, and all that information is the story, you know, it's like it's who we are and we're this seed and we continue to grow and grow and grow. But one of my, you know, in that, it's like the Josh seed, let's just call you, we'll call you the, the, the plum seed. And my favorite tree is a mango, so I'll, I'll be the mango part of it. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, do you know what I mean? Like you, you, it's, it's un, you can't really plant unless, you know, now science is getting pretty out there. But generally speaking, <laughs> you can't really plant a plum seed and get a mango tree out of it. Yeah. You know, you yeah. can't plant a mango tree and get a plum seed out of it. It's like the mango tree will grow, the mango seed will grow mango trees. And the plum yeah. seed will grow the plum trees. And, you know, I feel like in the seed of all of us is our own story in terms of that seed of who we are. And our story connects us back to the seed and the truth of who we are. And that fascination of my story leading me back to my truth is one of my deepest fascinations. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I would say just to add on to that and, you know, like, I feel like, you know, we were talking earlier about story as being a problem solving tool mm. and, and story as work. And so the fact of the matter is the solutions that we need to arrive at probably require plangos or mums, you know, they, they require that fusion. 
but since you can't grow them both from from the same seed yet unless you know like you said science is science getting, is getting pretty out there <laughs> you can't grow them from the same seed so creating a connection in the space where those two stories can mingle cross-pollinate mm-hmm. and figure out some sort of solution that's applicable in the future that's that's where the story and the the, the transmission and the um, transfer of that sort of content comes into play mm-hmm. right love that. yeah, that's that's where it goes a couple of questions arising from here which one to go on okay so I want to sort of ask about the story, our, like the ability of us sharing our story and how that can actually heal us. Mm. Um, you've witnessed that in your line of work, I imagine. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I've witnessed it and I've experienced it firsthand. Mm. Um, absolutely. And so the, 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 the first thing I'd say is, is just to kind of go back to what we were talking about earlier, that, you know, reclaiming, you know, your story within that space. And so like looking at your trauma through a new lens um, is, is part of part of kind of taking ownership and, and taking action over it. Um, and I, I, I'm interested, the, the thinker that you were talking about, about talking about memory recall. And mm. so like recall memory and then, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I look at that or I hear that and I think, I think of, that's also like every time that, you know, you kind of hit a plateau in your own processing, your story shifts a little bit mm. um, and includes more of what's relevant in your life now. Mm. And the trauma, maybe not so much, or the trauma diminishes or the trauma becomes a, a defining aspect of it, but it's no longer the whole story. Right. Um, and I, I think that's so part of part of the story is figuring out and creating like, how do how do I contain all of this and create all of this space to acknowledge all of these things that happened to me Mm. and and determining that and and shaping your story around that Mm. i love that then the next question i wanted to ask was (laughs) (laughs) this is gonna uh, sorry ask the question ask the question (laughs) Uh, um, what is your favorite story yeah that's yeah i uh i just can't go there it's like it's like, it's like uh you know picking a favorite child like, I, just, I just can't i uh you know i feel like I just like there's there it, it it would be so narrowing mm. to choose one you know like we were mentioning like some of the epics before you know I I still I still geek out about that I think it's awesome in fact the the mascot of Odd Duck is actually a duck and the duck's name is Virgil after mm. the Roman poet uh, who wrote the Aeneid. Ah. Uh, so so yeah it's like i mean like it would just be it would just be unfair and and i also i'm like 
I am, I am the ultimate like highbrow, lowbrow. Like, let's sit down. I'm gonna read some Faulkner, and then I'm gonna pop on American Horror Story and mm. binge a little bit of that. Mm. You know, like that's that's just the way I roll. So I like. Mm. You, I mean, I, I was telling you earlier. Like, I'm like, oh, South African soap operas. I'm in. <laughs> you know, like I'm in. I'm gonna binge this. Okay, it's it's on. Mm. So that's. I mean, I I I just I appreciate story and all of its its incarnations, and I love listening to other people's stories. That's mm. a large part of it, you know. And how? Yeah, no, yeah. How much does um? How much does tuning into different stories do you uh, like? Uh, the presence of the story that you're playing into at the time inform, like, uh, you and your journey at the time. I say this from a place of, um, you know, when we're watching. I'll just give you a really lame example. So like, um, like say if I'm watching Netflix and I'm watching a particular type of series, right? Mm. Um, the protagonist, I often find that if the protagonist is an irritated character, I find, because I'm watching six seasons of a show, I find yeah. irritation being present in my field, in my life. Um, yeah. If I'm watching like someone that's an empowered character, um, then, you know, like I'm, I'm finding more and more empowerment in my life because um, yeah. I'm soaking in the story that's informing my presence. Do you, do you find that? What's your relationship with that? Do you actively go out of your way to find stories that support you on your journey? That is, that is such a fantastic question. <laughs> that is such an amazing question. So um, are, are you asking me personally or are you yeah. asking yeah, if you that, personally. that's prescriptive? You personally. Um, yeah, I, so... I, there's so much I want to say. So uh, the neuroscience behind that actually mm. is fascinating itself because they've actually done studies where they found that, you know, uh, people identify with characters so much because it's the same way, like, you know, when you, when you see somebody and it activates, you know, uh, when you see somebody dancing, for example, or doing a martial arts routine and it activates your mirror neurons paralleling them. So like, the aspects of your brain that would be activated if you were doing the same kata mm. with them or the same dance movements with them is glowing, mm. right? Mm. And so mm. you you tease that out and you and you grow that even further. And the fact is is that with with a character that you identify with and empathize with and and you know create space and and fully you know transport into that narrative with whether it's Netflix or a video game or you know a novel right? Like it's activating those same parts of your brain. So what you're sensing is probably just because you're so in tune with your own mind, right? Like, I don't think, I think because there's such ubiquitous media right now out mm. there that not everybody is getting that experience. It's just mm. because you have cultivated a life around being mindful and being tuned in and saying, huh, shit, there's, there's, there's something happening up here. Like, you know, mm, I, I'm, mm. I'm sensing some sort of shift in, in my neurochemistry or I'm sensing some sort of shift in how I'm feeling. Mm. But I think that's just you personally because you're that tuned in. I don't think most of us are that perceptive mm -hmm. to see it happen in the course of a show. I could be wrong on that. Do you think I, perceptive I think... or not, there might be still an impact lingering in other people? Oh, yeah, status? yeah. Oh, that's, that's where I was going. Like, I, I think that it's happening at, like, you know, an imperceptible kind of level like it's mm. it's it's you know beneath the surface mm -hmm. but like it's still occurring mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. um do i seek out so i i try to keep a uh uh as broad uh, a net as possible i also have like uh 
one of the curses of being wired the way I am and being so obsessed about mm. this is I'm constantly deconstructing, which really, it, it's, it's unfortunate because it takes me out of the narrative. Mm. So the very thing that people like dive in and go, oh, like, you know, I love this show and da 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 or I, I, I love this book. I'm constantly like, okay, well, you know, why did they make the choice that they made? Or why, why, why are we panning mm. to the sky? Or why is, you know, why did they choose, you know, this arrangement, like the, the structure, the sentence this way, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm constantly going there. And I, I feel like sometimes that's actually problematic because mm-hmm. it, it, it's unfortunate because I don't get, you know, the, the sheer pleasure in that, in, in, in actually, experiencing that story full on but mm. you know but i do i do feel like there's value in that because you know, I, I get to do what i do yeah. um, so so okay trade off <laughs> that actually brings me to a question that my um my year 11 english teacher asked me and it's been with me this whole time and i can't believe it's emerging now amazing um was you know when you're watching um when you're let's say you're watching or you're reading a story you know, someone's written something and they've not put like, let's just say, let's just take the panning example. Let's say someone's panned to the sky and that's implied something in terms of expansive or directedness or something, you know, like there's a, there's a, it's a tool that can be used to communicate a certain emotion. Right. Um, But how much of, even if it, it was it placed there intentionally and if it wasn't, does that still inform the story? Are you still allowed mm. to draw value from that? And in my humble opinion, I've sat with it a little bit and just gone, well, of course, because this, it tells you a little bit about the storyteller, doesn't it? Your thoughts on that? Same? Or? Yeah, I, I, have, I have lots. <laughs> <laughs> Shockingly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I will say uh, there's, there's a few things. So the first thing that I'll say is one of my favorite Hemingway stories mm. is uh, it was written, it was a short essay or short letter written by, it's not a, a story that Hemingway wrote, it's a story about Hemingway. Mm. It's a short essay that uh, a guy wrote when, when Hemingway was living in Cuba. Uh, he was stationed on a military base there and he had gone, you know, he found out that, you know, Hemingway loved like, you know, hanging out with soldiers and entertaining soldiers and just, you know, serving drinks and, and mm-hmm. holding court. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this guy's a, a young GI and he hears that, you know, like some of the guys are going over to visit, you know, Hemingway. He's like, Oh, I I'm, I'm in, I'm in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's thinking the entire time as they're driving that uh, he's like, Oh, you know, like my, my eighth grade teacher, you know, like had us read, um, you know, had, had us read Hemingway and, and, you know, and she insisted that the leopard was white because it represented the loss of, of innocence and, you know, the, the, you know, the corruption that came with, you know, the, the, that reflected the protagonist's own experience. And so he gets in and, you know, Hemingway is serving drinks and he finally works up the nerve and he says, you know, uh, my my teacher, you know, you know always said that like, like that the leopard was white because of da 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 da, and like is is that why you made the leopard white? And Henry was like, the leopard was white because the leopard was fucking white. <laughs> yeah. Exactly so exactly. there is that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, but I actually, I would, and, and the, the flip side of that, right, is that um, Werner Herzog 
hands down one of my uh, favorite filmmakers. Who is it? Uh, he's Werner Herzog. Werner okay. Herzog. Mm-hmm. Um, he has made he's made something like uh, over seventy films. Makes like two cool. films a year, and cool. he us- and he does both like fictional like feature length films and documentaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I'll send you some of the names. It's gonna blow your mind. He, he just and he's like he's a philosophical filmmaker so it's mm. always like asking these really deep questions My favorite. Goes, wow yeah how did we get here yeah so one of the things that um herzog talks about is he talks about how you know so much of the stuff that he uses in his films mm-hmm. are from this like visual library that he's been creating his entire life mm-hmm. and so you know he was hitchhiking through Mexico and passed under a bridge and they were digging up a cemetery and they had all of the corpses lined up under the bridge because they were waiting to move them to a a separate grave. And he thought, oh my God, that's amazing. And Mm -hmm. he ended up using that later when he filmed Nosferatu and incorporated that entire scene of what he actually witnessed Mm. as, as a depiction. And he does that throughout. Um, and he has this entire just complex visual like language um, that that he he draws on and uses. And so there is, in his case, a lot of intentionality. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a filmmaker that I just watched, I don't if uh, there's a um, Raul Peck who did uh, I'm Not Your Negro uh, about James Baldwin. Okay. Uh, he just did a film, uh, a four part, I don't even know what to call it on right because it's like, it's part documentary, it's it's part docu-series, it's part history film, it's part like fiction, it's part just like mind blowing, like visual poetry, it's amazing. Uh, but mm. you, it's one of the few things that I've watched in in recent history where I'm like, I don't know why the director chose to show me that Mm. but I know he chose to show me that for a reason Mm -hmm. and I'm just not I'm I'm too ignorant right now to actually get it pick up on what he's showing right right yeah and like it's like oh he's he's communicating something and I'm not getting it Mm. you know and and I I can't remember the last thing that like has made me work that hard to appreciate and understand it Mm. So I, I, so all of that to say, I also think that there is something to be said for how the reader, viewer, listener, experiencer, audience of the story interprets what they see I and how that. they incorporate it into their own experience. You know, one of the things that as you're sharing this is, um, thank you so much for that answer, man. Thank you. <laughs> I, um, yeah, it's reminding me there's this um, song that I play on the guitar. It's... Um, it's uh, it's a it's a cover from a a cover and abbreviate like I abbreviate songs and put my own infuse my own story into okay. songs that I like to sing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, it's a, a mentor of mine. She passed away. Her name was Pava, and she rests forever in peace. Um, and she she loved this song called "Love Letters to God" by Narco. And when I first heard the song before she passed. Um, the song used to be, he sings, the chorus is, love letters to God. I wonder if she reads them or if they get lost in the stars. Mm. And I thought Narco was educating men that, hey, God can also be female. Like, it doesn't have to be yeah. he. Just chill out, Rasta. <laughs> you know, like, just chill out. <laughs> you know, with all that chauvinistic shit, just hang on. <laughs> and then after she passed, because she that song meant a lot to her and it connected us, mm. the song was the same. 
But all of a sudden I'm singing it and I'm singing the same words, love letters to God. I wonder if she reads them or if they get lost. And all of a sudden God is still androgynous now for my being, but I'm writing letters to my mentor, to Bhava. And I'm wondering if she reads them in the stars mm. or not. And it's just like, and it was my yeah. first time that really like art. And I was just like, whoa, good art, like good story, yeah. like different stories mean different things to us at different points That's of the right. juncture where That's we right. are in our story. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that's it. And it's, it's, it's cause that's, that's the thing too, is like, we're constantly incorporating other elements the same way, like Werner Herzog is building his own visual library. We're constantly doing that with our own memories and we're own, our own interpretations of things. And so we're experiencing things in engaging with these story pieces that also sort of help shape and, and reinforce and structure our own identity yeah. or our own like sense of being um, as well. And so that's yeah. that's an aspect of it that's constantly kind of shaping and, and refining who we are. Mm. Thank you so much, Josh. And <laughs> as a true testament to story and storytelling, this podcast is flying. I can't believe we're this far into it. <laughs> Power of story. Yeah, for real. <laughs> uh, um, I want to. I want to tune in. And before I let you go, I definitely want to check in and say, "Hey, how do people connect to their own story? How do you help people connect mm. to their own story?" So there's definitely yeah. Can yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, a, a, a lot of my space or and a lot, a lot of my focus is is on you know sharing stories publicly. Mm. Um, and as as I said, you know, sometimes it's stories that people haven't talked about. Um, you know, even outside of a therapy session sometimes, hmm. um, and now they're kind of be called. So it's usually strategic storytelling for some sort of social change hmm. purpose. So I'm, I'm sharing that with you, but I'm also putting that aside to focus just kind of like on the individual. Individual. The Thank you. Experience. Yeah. Um, and so what I would say, I mean, for me, I, but this is because I'm a writer, it's, it's, it's very much about journaling and it's about like you know kind of picking things up that have happened in my day and looking at them in different ways and trying to understand what that actually what how that's significant what that means to me mm. um i think it it changes for the individual and how mm. how they process story and how they tell stories to themselves but i think i think you know there, there's it's it's funny because there's so so much of an emphasis therapeutically a lot of times on pulling yourself out of out of the story mm -hmm. or pulling yourself out of stories not not prescribing sort of intent and, and which I think is is super important but I also think that there's some powerful narrative work to explore your own identity whether it is in reflection to so I love that example of like binging something on Netflix so asking yourself using that almost as a meditative experience and asking yourself why am I feeling this way with this character? And what is it that I'm actually identifying? Mm. What is it? What, what is this channeling in myself? Or why, why am I accessing that in myself? Mm. Um, so that's, that's, that's part of kind of like making this uh, an ongoing activity. But the other thing is just listening to how you tell stories mm. and what things you share about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I actually, I'll, I'll just share this. I, I, mm. so I always say, 
Um, and this, this is actually a therapy session that I had this morning. Mm. <laughs> so, fresh from the presses. Hot off the block. Yes, yes, yes. It's, it, this is the headline. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I always say when I'm kind of talking about my spirits, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an accidental, like, you know, business owner that I, I sort of stumbled backwards into being a consultant and da 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 And so my, my therapist goes, Josh, that's bullshit. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, you're removing, like we, he's like, we've spent years on focusing on your agency. And he's like, on, on agency, the, the psychological term, like Bandura, mm -hmm. like my, yeah. my personal being, being an agent in my own life. He's mm -hmm. like, we've, we've spent like years talking about like, you know, taking control of your actions and, and your own agency. And he's like, and I've certainly seen the intentionality over the past like couple of mm -hmm. years to make this happen. Mm -hmm. He's like, why would you characterize that as you know something accidental? This mm -hmm. isn't something you stumbled into. This is something you intentionally orchestrated in your life so that you could have these experiences and explore the things you want to explore. Mm. I'm like, damn, <laughs> yeah. But that's but that's so. In answer to your question, that's what's up. It's like paying attention to the stories that you tell yourself and why you tell them in a certain way. Like, what are you actually saying about yourself when you tell stories that way mm. and really looking at that, mm. you know, and if it needs to be changed, changing it, mm. right? Mm. Josh, thank you so much for sharing that so vulnerably and so fresh. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, the language that we use to describe ourselves, the stories that we use to tell ourselves, and that informs the way we navigate, you know, life. And hence, you know, in my Live Your Purpose program, it literally is the second key piece after you've got your values. It's like, <laughs> what is your story? Because it's the most empowering place to meet yeah, yourself yeah, and yeah. find the more empowering narrative for you to step into. Oh, Brother Bear, this has been more than I ever thought it would, could be. I knew it was going to be special. Yeah, 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 yeah. I told you that. I get to say, I told you. I told you in the beginning this was going to be. I told, I told you so. You did, you did. I don't know. I just like, I just, in my story, I like being the told you so guy. I say that to my wife sometimes, like, hey, hey, dude. Like, you know, something bad about you. Like, do I now get to say, I told you so? And she's like, don't. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. can, I have, can I have permission to be the, the told you so guy? Can I do that? No one loves that guy, though, I've noticed. No one really likes the I told you so guy. So I try try not to put it on anybody. So hopefully you all can, uh, but appreciate where I was coming from. Man, Josh, yeah. uh, thank you so much. Really, thank you so yeah. much for... Yeah not just today and today's episode and dropping in. I literally feel like, you know, we've gone super deep and yet somehow still we're just scratching the surface, but potentially from the underside. Um, so I'm sure we're going to do this again. But um, I want to thank you for not just your time and presence. Yes, thank you for your time and presence and energy here today. But also just the lifetime of work that you've put into, you know, like 10 years, like building yourself professionally to do this, but then also the, the, the life that you've lived to be so present to story and storytelling and, you know, going into that and bringing all of that context for us to have such a beautiful and robust conversation here today on story and why story matters and how, you know, we can actually connect to our own story and how we can, yeah, live with more empowerment ideally is, is kind of where this, where this all goes, man. Please, for those tuning in, as you can tell, <laughs> Josh, highly entertaining, highly deep as well, you know, at the same time. And that's my favorite kind of combination. 
The link to his um, podcast is in the show notes. Please click on it. Check it out. Um, it'll do you, yeah, a world of wonder. Story does matter. Thank you so much for your podcast and all the work and, and yeah, just everything that you're doing, man. And thank you for those that are tuning in, the listeners. We love you. Thank you. Blessings on your journey and your story that you're living out there in the world. And hopefully this episode has supported you in your empowerment on your story. And uh, Josh, to you and the listeners from all of us in the Inspired Evolution Tribe, wishing you all the best as always. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening in to another amazing episode of the Inspired Evolution. If you're loving these episodes, make your way across to YouTube, click subscribe. Fresh episodes are launched every Monday with highlights being released throughout the week. Thank you so much. And hey guys, just so you know, a lot of love, heart, soul and work goes into these episodes. So if you could, please leave us a five-star review and comment on iTunes. I love reading your positive feedback. It fans the flames of the passion to continue to create and help you live the life that you love. Thank you so much for your wonderful feedback. I can't wait to see you again in the next episode. Big love from Amrit. And remember to stay inspired to evolve. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.